The Palmetto Shop is proud to sponsor the Off the Hazel podcast and the South Carolina Golf Association. We are your one-stop shop for all your screen print, embroidery, and promotional products needs. Our team will work with you from conception to completion. Low minimums to high volume, we can accommodate all your staff or team apparel, uniforms, and marketing needs. You can find us on Facebook as Palmetto Shop, the web at thepalmettoshop.com, or call us at 803-252-5058. Welcome back to another episode of SCGA Off the Hosel, the official podcast of the South Carolina Golf Association, brought to you by Palmetto Shop. I'm Alan Knight, uh, joined here by Biff Lathrop. Biff, how are you? I'm doing great. Hope everybody out there is having a great day. I think they should. They're listening to us. Nothing. nothing. <laughs> wow. Let <laughs> Standards are low. <laughs> you got to be rainbows out there if they're listening to us. So I guess the RBC Heritage just finished. Yeah, how about that? I'd that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Truth is, we're recording this earlier in April, right? The first day of the Masters, to be honest with you. Well, it 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 is a, it's it's uh, I'm glad they were able to get it done. Uh, ho- looking forward to getting back in 2022 when everything's full throttle again. You know, we're used to having our tent there on number 18 at, at Heritage and our yeah. staff down there for the whole week. And, and unfortunately, that's just not happened this year. But uh, we still support and, and and hope hope the PGA Tour keeps coming back. I mean, you know, speaking of, we we've got with the Heritage uh, and the oh, PGA yeah, Championship yeah. in May, and then in June we got that event that is it named yet coming to Congaree? Yeah, it's the Palmetto Championship or something. Is like that, that right? Yeah, I'm yeah. glad they got a name for it. It's I mean, but how how about that? In in South Carolina, we got three PGA Tour events and and uh yeah, that is three impressive. month span. And then the U.S. Mid- Women's Mid-Am in September. Uh, so, Have you been to Congaree yet? I have. It's, oh, I never have. It's beautiful. It, it's in the middle of nowhere, though, brother. The Palmetto Championship at Congaree. Good for them. That's yeah. great. I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah, I, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing it. The golf course is fantastic. It's it's old school. Um, it's, it's really a neat environment when you drive in. Uh, and like I said, it, it's in the middle of nowhere, but sometimes those are the gyms. You oh, know? yeah. Yeah, Hoopy's down there in Georgia, in the middle of nowhere. There you go. I don't know where all these, I don't know where all these pros are going to be staying, and what you know is the closest oh, really? place is really Hilton Head, Savannah. Now, how far is that? Twenty minutes? 30? No, it's more like probably 40, 45 minutes, I guess. Maybe they'll go NASCAR and bus in, you know, get those nice. There you go. Buses. That'd be. It's probably what they're going to need to do. So, um, but yeah, we. We we were we were uh, we we still tried to support the heritage, you know, with some ticket packages they yeah. had down there and sent some sponsors and what have you. So it, we'll we'll be back twenty twenty two. We'll be back at the heritage. It'll be fun. Everybody have a big time again. So the last two weeks, have they cut into your pocketbook a little bit? Yeah, you know, we 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 usually hold out the first couple of weeks of April for fundraising. I mean, we we usually do the golf ball that first Thursday of the Masters and. Um, that's not happening again this year in the spring. We're hoping to do something in the fall. Uh, then we usually run straight from there to Monday after the Masters, and that's a, you know, it's a Monday event. But we're there Saturday through Tuesday, and then basically pack up and go straight from there five yeah. hours down. You and I've done that trip a couple times. Yeah. Straight down ninety five to Hilton Head for the Heritage, and we're there for the rest of the week. So, yeah. uh, weird kind of strange times, but not not having all that happen. Uh, but it is what it is, and, and we'll get through it, and we'll keep on moving. But yeah, we, our foundation, you know, took a little bit of a hit last year, uh, and, right. and and so far this year, until we can get things, it's hard to get six hundred people under one roof right now safely yeah. without people looking at you funny. So we're yeah. going to wait until our time and do some do some stuff in the fall. Do it when you can. You'll be back. 
Yep, we got we got a lot of great supporters out there. Don't you know? It, even during the really tough times uh, uh, last year, everybody kind of jumped on and, and and put in where they could and helping junior golf and the education. You know, we we do a lot of scholarships through our foundation, and, and that that's important. That's important to me is to make sure we keep continuing that. Yeah. I do like that, and, and you got one of them working for you, Kirk Page, his former scholarship winner. Well, he's a classic story. I mean, he he he's a scholarship winner. He came an intern with us for two years. Yep, yep. Forgot uh, about that. Yep, he was a boat ride intern for two years with us, and has been with us pretty much since he got out of school. With he took one little hiatus and got a real job, and realized he liked it better over here. So I was yep. excited to bring him back. And he's a new, fairly new father. He's yeah. He had a baby back in in December. Um. So he's a little little, little Mac. Max is Max is stud. Congrats, Rook. Congrats. Yep, he's a he's a good dad. Rook's a daddy. So uh, next today's guest, I guess, is a legend. Yes, he is. Or did I skip anything you want to say? No, not okay. necessarily. Oh. No, no, no. We're you good. sure? Yep. Okay. Yep, we're good. Uh I'll cut that out. Our next guest is a. I was too repetitive when I say it. Another living legend, but Chip Prezioso. I mean, Chip's always scared me, man. I've always been intimidated by Chip. He's a, he's an intimidating guy. All those Prezioso okay. boys were. I mean, they're, right. they're like – Their know, reputation. Their reputation, their physical – you know, they, they, when you shake a hand, you know you shook Chip Prezioso's right. hand. I mean, he, he'll crush your hand if you give him a chance, if you leave it in there long enough. And you, I mean, any time you can make David Dupree or Steve Spurrier stammer when, when he's getting on them, you know. Yeah, it's uh, I, and and we'll hear a little bit more about it. But I I, I worked for Chip very briefly. Yeah, that's uh, right. In the that's t-shirt right. Yeah, business, yeah, and yeah. um, he was a little he was a little you know intimidating as a boss too. So but, I can uh, but believe he, he's it. a great guy. I mean, y'all going to enjoy hearing about his stories. And he's another one that you know we could t- we could open up the mic and let him go all afternoon. I feel like Chip's kind of guy. And when we got a handful, we could just look at Chip and say, all right, Chip, we're going to talk about Camden today, and he could bring out an hour's worth of Camden stories. There's not many people who can go write a book. And, right, and, yeah. and you know, and, and have a he, he's listen. This man's got a in his brain. He's got a series of books he wants to put out there. So right, it, it could go on and on and on. So yeah, I'll go ahead and tell you now before we get to him. Amazon.com, easiest way. Type in Chip Prezio. So there you go. What's the official name? Goat roping at Raccoon Run. Goat roping at Raccoon Run. It's a it's a fictional story. Correct. <laughs> Nonfiction fictional. So with that being said, here's Chip Prezio. Chip Prezioso, welcome to Off the Hosel Podcast. Thank you, Big Al. Thank you for being here. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you being here with us. Nice to be here with you guys. Been a long-time friend of the South Carolina Golf Association. Known you guys since you were... When I had hair. (laughs) (laughs) When you had hair. This thing could go for days, to be honest with you. So we're going to... I want to go ahead and get... Let's talk about your book. Okay. You've just self-published a book. Yep. And it's it's the first one we'll say right. That's right. Because there might be more. I got coming. lots of stories. <laughs> What's the name of this book? The name of the book is "The Goat Roping at Raccoon Run." And Raccoon Run was Raccoon Run is a is a fictitious place, but it's based on uh, St. Matthew's Country Club. Okay. And and uh, right outside of Orangeburg. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was a raccoon run here at the beach for a little while. There, I think there was, yeah. And I was uh, talking with some superintendents earlier this week, and I was like, hold on, you've been to raccoon run? And I was like, <laughs> let me tell you. And I said, they said, there's no raccoon run at St. Matthew's. I was like, well, you know. So that was a nickname. Well, again, it's a fictional story. Fictional. And I've had to tell a lot of people that, including people who are irate about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thought they were based on some of these characters. Most people got their name changed. Everybody but do. 
Stu's really didn't name. No, he didn't get changed much. And neither Davo was not much of a name changed. And Brian, my brother Brian was Bevo his whole life. My brother Brian, David hung that on him when he was a kid. He said he had beaver lips, big old lips. Oh, really? <laughs> they called him beaver lips. The beave. The beave. Uh, what inspires you to write the book? This is, actually happened. It's a story, uh, 1980, Calhoun Country Club member guest. And uh, it was just hilarious. I mean, it was not everything that's in that book happened at, at that over the two days but it was just a scream as you can well imagine and yeah. uh, it'd been going around in my head for a long time and i looked up the other day and in 2003 andre bauer was elected to the lieutenant governor's spot that's when they elected him separately mm -hmm. and they threw a big reception at the new columbia museum of art and i was i was there and i was walking around a huge crowd i walked by this crowd of this group of like might have been 10 guys, 30-something guys, they were telling a story about a pickup truck exploding with a stick of dynamite. I stuck my head over there and listened for a minute. I said, are y'all talking about Coon Hall or Calhoun Country Club? They said, yes, we are. You, you know that story? I said, story? I said, I was there. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so that's 2003 and a bunch of kids that had to be, they, that was that happened in 1980, so those kids couldn't have been, you know, they, they couldn't have been 30 then, so they're seven years old. They've been hearing that story for that length of time. Uh, man, I tried to talk Bob Gillespie into writing a story about six times. I couldn't talk him into no. it, so finally he helped me with it. I was about to say, he did some of the, some of the editing for you, he right? Helped, he helped me a lot with it. But, I mean, just gave me some guidance on it. Gave me the sure. confidence to write it. What's going to be coming up next? Oh, there are so many. This one that I just showed you all a picture of, of the 1984 Ray Floyd National Multiple Sclerosis Tournament <laughs> that Hap Lathrop, Steve Chu, and I beat David Dupree, Mike Holland while he was on the tour, and Marion Fowler head to head for 36 holes as a screen. <laughs> and that one could be another one. So, <coughs> Sorry. half the people that have called me have said, said, "How come you didn't put our adventures in there?" And the other half have said, "You're not going to, you're not going to talk about us, are you?" <laughs> well, I know when you and I first started talking about your book, and I think one of the first things I asked you to make sure. My old man had not been incriminated too much. So. Not yet. Not yet. It's coming. He, he still got it coming up. I've heard a lot of stories growing up. I've heard a lot of Prezioso stories. I tell you what, there were a lot of them. And uh, good times. A lot of good people I met in the South Carolina Golf Association. Been a long, long history, long run. And it's just incredible what's happened with this uh, association over that length of time because it was the odds on this thing. <laughs> ever surviving would have been really long. And well, that, had know, it happened, your mother not gotten involved, it would have never made it, I it, promise you. There's no doubt about it. I was talking to somebody other the other day, the South Carolina Golf Association was almost like a sibling to me. It was, it was me and my sister in the South Carolina Golf Association. <laughs> no, I mean, it's because my mom and dad, that's what they did. And that's why we are where we are, for sure. Um, it was a group of guys that, that figured out a way to play free golf and, uh, and got together and had a golf, South Carolina Golf Association, like I say, without hat, taking the thing over. If there's a really good story. And this had to be 1968, I think, and it might, I might have been 15 at the time. This first trip out of town, I went to Orangeburg Country Club, played South Carolina Junior, and Bob Causey was a director, and he, poor Bob at that point in time, might have been 71, 72, and working by himself and all that. And uh, Rick Bradley and I walked over to the starter's tent about 8 o'clock in the morning. We'd spent the night in Orangeburg and uh, at a hotel, a motel. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that happened, but I can't remember. <laughs> but walk up to Mr. Causey and said, Mr. Causey, are we playing it down today? And he said, uh, no, son, I'm from Hampton. <laughs> so to this day, Rick Bradley and I, anytime we see each other, said, 
are we playing at Danley? He says, uh, no, son, I'm from Hampton. Any, any questions answered, uh, no, son, I'm from Hampton. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You know, it's amazing to me that Hampton, having my family come from Hampton, I visited Hampton growing up, and it's amazing the little town of Hampton was so such a vital role to South Carolina Golf Association. I mean, that's where that's where they all Charlie kind of started Darty, from. Yeah, all of it, and just my my mother's family is from Allendale. You knew, yep, knew that, right? right there. Uh, and uh, so it, it really is hard to got some really good. That's the wonderful thing about golf is just there's so many good people that I've met through through golf. It's incredible. All right, small towns, big. You, you go in, you drop somebody out of an airplane with a parachute, and they go land somewhere near somebody they know. <laughs> uh, I do want to get into some of those old stories, but one thing, you got your start at Columbia Country Club playing golf, correct? I did. The and old that, Columbia Country Club. I was about to say, that was yeah. actually Ridgewood Country Club at the time. Well, it, I think it was Columbia Country Club by then. It started okay. out as Ridgewood, but it was out, out at Oak Player. Yeah. So the, the original site before, because Biff, I mean, y'all do one to two events there a year. Oh, at least. I mean, this is their home it, away from home. Well, Heather home. does such a great job out there, and Chris. They yeah. do. They got a good team. That's what makes them so well. They do. Give me some stories growing up at the old club and playing a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm in, the, I'm in the same situation now that I, when I was after David Dupree died and I gave his eulogy trying to think of something I could tell. That was <laughs> <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot going on out there, Well, you know, you couldn't talk about Columbia Country Club without talking about Charlie Prentice. Sure. Yeah. Charlie, pro. Charlie taught David and I and a lot of good – they had a great junior program. Howard Wills, who not many people remember, but was the first 15-year-old – youngest person ever to qualify for a U.S. Uh, PJ event. And actually qualified. Okay, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I never knew Harry Wills. I knew the dad, but yeah, well, that's the dad. Right. Howard is out, and I think he's mastered golf and fishing. Okay. And a couple other things. He's a faith healer now out in Hawaii. So, he's <laughs> are moved, you serious? He's moved on to. He, absolutely, I'm serious. Wow. He wow. has huge crowds that follow him everywhere he goes. He wow. comes up to California occasionally. And what? We'll give a talk. Oh, he. he but Let's see, googling you're, sometimes. you're the kind of guy who could walk into him talking to 300 people and bring him to just oh, level them. He he he's so respectful to me; it's unbelievable. <laughs> As are a lot of people now. They found out I can write without a crayon. Without a crayon. <laughs> so, when you were at the old Columbia Country Club site, where did you live at that point? We were living over on Sylvan Drive. That that's a heck of a story right there. David Dupree lived on Norwood, and I lived on Sylvan. Gus Sylvan lived right in that neighborhood, too. Howard Wills didn't live far from there. But the, the greatest story, one of the best stories ever, is Willie Wise, who was a caddy master at Columbia Country Club. Okay. Was just raised, Dave and I, from kid. Our parents, my mother, our mothers were the smartest people in the world. They'd give us a dollar. Now, hamburger was 50 cents. Coke was 25. Give us a dollar and a bathing suit and take our clubs and drop us off with Charlie Prentice at 8 o'clock in the morning at Columbia Country Club and somebody would bring us home at 5 or 6. They didn't want us to come home. <laughs> we, somebody brought us home. And and we used to play on Mondays, David and I. Willie, they'd let the caddies play on Mondays. So Willie would come by and pick David and I up in his big old, like, 64 Pontiac. And it was full of black guys that were playing in the thing. must have been eight of us in the car and pick us up and take us out to Clinton Country Club. And he would back us, playing against the waiters at Forest Lake and Spring Valley and all that. And we'd have get what, what we thought were big gambling matches, you know, $20 might exchange right. hands. Right. And my, our parents would get calls from the neighbors, oh my Lord, I just saw Chip and David, they, they're in the back of a car with six <laughs> black guys <laughs> being kidnapped. I said, well, they won't keep them long, don't worry. <laughs> they'll bring, they'll them, bring back. them back pretty quick. So whenever the club got moved out to Blythewood, 
Was it a pain in the butt for you to drive out that far at that point? I wasn't driving at that point, so my parents, that was okay. up to them. I mean, that was 1963, I believe. Correct. So, And, uh, you know, we grew up out there, and it was in the middle of absolutely nowhere. I'm dirt road, about, right? At that they had to pipe sunlight in. It was unbelievable. <laughs> well, I remember Dad telling me stories when he went to State Amateur out there and how far it was out there. I mean, he literally just drove and drove and drove. And Dave and I, that's the first time we ever met your father. Dave and I followed him around like a puppy dog when he won that State Is Amateur. Is that right? Yeah, we followed him around. Every every shot he hit, he was our hero. You know, he reminds me, I was giving him grief not long ago about his golf game and how, how it's gone to whatever. And he, I'm just I'm on him. We're needling each other. And he finally came back to me. He goes, how many Hammer Championships do you have? <laughs> That people, ended, ended the conversation. People forget that Hap was a heck of a player. He really was played played Carolina. Was a really good player and come came close to winning the Open down here over at Wedgefield. Oh, okay. I didn't even realize that. His that wedge. Remember how the wedge was like a snake in his hand? Yeah. So yep. He got to that point. Well, it was like that then. Huh. He, he barely right. missed winning the Open. There was a story I heard. I know Hap and Dupree, and I don't know if you were there, but remember that there were Captain's Choice event, and they wanted to hit it out the bunker, and Hap was upset. Uh, and David's like, no, we can do this. We can, make, and I think David may have made it, you know, out the bunker. But Hat was he scolded. And he had no shot coming out the bunker with him. So Hat got to the point where he he could convince himself that he couldn't hit a shot. So. <laughs> but he was a great player. He really was, and that was a great win for him at Columbia Country Club. Yeah, they they supposedly I've heard they pulled the cards up around eighteen greens so they could use the lights to put out on. I remember that happening at Fort Jackson, the city championship. I don't remember that at the, okay. at the state amateur. Now, they televised the state amateur out, out at Columbia Country Club one year. Really? Actually, they really did. I mean, that yeah. might have been 65 or 66. Yeah. WIS-TV televised it. That's amazing. Interesting. One of the guys that was a liquor rep paid Dave and I like five this? bucks to take an early times umbrella and walk down the fairway twirling. <laughs> Are you serious? Really? Yep. That wasn't Lane Nicholas, was it? No, that was that – no, that was, wasn't Lane. It might have been – I'm trying to think. There are a lot of liquor yeah. reps out there. <laughs> you, you a lot of liquor drinkers, too. I was about to say, you ever met a liquor rep you when didn't When they want? burnt that clubhouse down, you found out about that, all the liquor in those lockers. <laughs> oh, really? Like a puff. That's funny. <laughs> hey, think, think about championships. You, you've won your share of championships. You you mentioned Sylvan. You and Sylvan won your first four ball in 1971, I think. 50 years ago. How about that? What? That's think incredible. About that. We were 17 years old. Y'all were 17, you won that. Beat Gus, uh, Dick Horn, and Howard Wills. Wow. In the finals. And Wait. then you added three more with Sedgwick. Dupree. Sedgwick. I heard that's a strawberry farm now. Well, what's that? Sedgwick. It is uh, Cottle Farms, I think. They're growing all kind of things. But uh, Dupree and I also won the, the uh, 93 and 95 Partners Championships. Okay. And then Dad and I won, won a father and son. All right. I remember the father and son. So I'm counting. I got seven, seven South Carolina Golf Association Championships. Now, one I came across, which this is uh, – they always say I didn't no. Do it. It no somebody looked like me, Biff. Uh, well, they they, they 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 always say no one ever remembers who came in second place. But this is a pretty good accomplishment. You came in you came in runner up to uh, Billy Bowers at the at the Carolinas and match play. South Carolina match play up yeah. at, up at the Dunes Club yeah. right up the road. One of the worst disappointments of my life. But uh, Billy was a good player. Yes, he was. That was a long week. Well, I mean, you, to make it that far, you you golfed your golf ball. I was playing really well then. In fact, Grant Bennett was giving me lessons at that point. I think I played well in a sit. I just had a good run. Anytime right. I had a good teacher, I had a good run. Grant Bennett was a good one. He was a really good one. He used to grab my belt buckle. I thought he would oh, break yeah. that thing trying to get thar. me to get my thar. Oh, my gosh. You ever heard thar? <laughs> no. And put, he'd stand behind you and take that, take that, put the club in your left pocket. Yep. And when you get to the top, he jerked that left pocket because mm -hmm. he wanted to hit the slide mm -hmm. straight back. Might be why I've got back problems what, today. What a good guy. <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> Now, he but was, he was a great guy. Grant would have been at Wildwood then? He was at Wildwood then. Yeah, okay. 
I'll tell you, that's a good story. My dad was playing over at uh, uh, the Country Club of South Carolina after, right after Grant built it and went over there. Yeah. And was talking to dad about, said, I hear your son's a pretty good player. And dad says, yes, he is. He said, I'd like to get him over here to take a lesson from you. And I'm, I might have been 16 or so at the time. And, I, and I, dad said, you ought to call Grant. Well, I called Grant, and Grant said, I'm really booked up right now, but call me back next week. Called him back next week. He said, I'm really kind of booked up right now. Call me next week. I gave up. That was a mistake. Oh. He, I called him back in like 1981 or so. That should have. That was probably in the early 70, or early 70 or something like that. We did that. Called him back. Same routine. I kept calling. <laughs> Finally, after like four, he didn't. He didn't want anybody coming out there who was going to argue with him or sure. just there for one lesson. He wanted somebody who was going to be a devotee and and dial into the deal. And by that time, by the time you begged him to see you, you saw him and you all dial in. But yep. he he was a great teacher, great person. He was. He's, well, Give me some good war stories from those four ball titles. <laughs> I know you got some. Oh, I got so many. It's just incredible. Well, let's go. We got nothing but time. Well, Dupree, beautiful swing. He was just, he was the best. Just did he ever, the best. Did he ever let you down as a partner? He, he did one time. <laughs> did he? Yes, he did. It wasn't a South Carolina Golf Association event, but we were playing over at Camden in the Carolinas four ball. Mm -hmm. We may have been defending champions. And David, not a lot of people know it because he mastered he mastered it finally. But he had he had a pretty good temper. Yeah, I yeah. did too. <laughs> but but again, he he uh, mastered it. And one time, I think number eleven, he he kind of slapped it about a three footer, and I'm standing there with like a five footer for par. He slapped it, and and I said, well, "Let's go." And I said, "I must give it to him." And I look over at our opponents, and they go, uh -uh. they're like this, just. So I had to make a five footer. I took him and I said, "Don't you ever do that." <laughs> but he hit some shots. I've 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 never seen him hit a left-handed shot in my life. And on number five at Camden, a little par four up, mm -hmm. up the hill, it's probably one iron and a eighty-yard shot. He knocks it under one of those little pines that was left over there, mm -hmm. and he's got it up against the tree where he can't swing that right hand. And of course, that green slope left, right, you know, real thin yeah. green bunker yeah. in front of him. He takes an eighty-eight oh two. Oh yeah, I remember those putter which he had for years. And yeah, years. he did like those Wilson putters. Turns it over backwards, left hand swing. It hits it eighty yards and it checks. Oh wow! About six feet from the hole. Man, never seen a shot like that in my yeah. life. I never got to see him in, in his prime, or I don't remember seeing him in his prime. But I, I, I remember seeing him beyond his prime. But then also when he was when he had all the health issues, I guess. But one of the purest ball strikers I've ever seen or heard of and heard stories about. I mean, they said when when it came down to those irons, just it was incredible. Well, he, you know, he he was so far ahead of his time as far as mentally, mental, mental part of the game. Because David, the only thing David ever worked on was timing. The only thing you ever talked to him about was timing. And he, I'd sit there, he, and I'd have a cocktail or two, and I'd be sitting there saying, well, what, "What do you, what do you think about when you're trying to draw the ball?" And I'd say, he'd say, he said, "Well, what do you think about when you're trying to draw the ball?" I said, "Well, I turn my left hand over, I turn my right toe out, and all." That. I said, "What do you do? What do you do?" He said, "I think draw." I said, you know what? I think I figured out what's wrong here. That sounds like that Dustin Johnson thing. So what's the best thing to do when you're trying to hit a fade? And he says, hit a fade. Now that's if you're trying to hit a fade, hit a fade. And, and at that point in time, you realize you, you're you're way behind. You're in trouble. <laughs> what uh, what's one of these, some of the famous cor fa uh, favorite courses you played growing up in South here? Carolina? Yeah, I love Camden. Do you love Palmetto? Of course, Columbia Country Club is just a real great test of golf. Um. I've been fortunate enough. I've got a real close friend who's a mem one of the 
20 members of Cherokee. Okay. Anybody who hadn't played that, that is uh, the last guy, Donald Steele, that remodeled St. Andrews did Cherokee, and that's a magnificent golf course. Um, They're going through a, uh, they're doing an irrigation right now, replacing. They're always doing irrigation because that thing is underwater all the time. I go (laughs) duck hunt down there a lot too, so, and quail hunting. Yeah. It's wet. Yeah. They got lots of water. But just, there's so many good ones. Charleston Country Club. I was fortunate enough to play in the Al Esposito, and that just is like going back in time. Love Bulls Bay is a good one too. Now, the Al Esposito, the junior tournament? Yep. Wow. Played that forever. And every time I go over to Florence Country Club, where my wife Roxanna lived not far from, it's like I went over there when we were eight years old playing in that Florence Junior Boys Invitation. That's still one of my favorite courses. Oh, it's just a fun golf course. It is a fun golf course. It really is. Now, with Camden, is also one of my favorites, but I always walk away shaking my head. Palmetto's like that. You say, you look at the scorecards, I'm going to eat this thing alive. And yeah. By the time you get through, it's chomp you into lots of pieces. <laughs> you, you know, yeah. you can you can go through our amateur and where we played the championship at Florence just recently, five, four or five years ago, and, and, and Palmetto Golf Club. We went to Palmetto Golf Club, I'll never forget. We came off of uh, uh, Daniel Island where the winning score was like 17 under par for these kids that hit it so long. And we went to Palmetto and we had one kid break par the whole week. I mean, it's... Well, and those those courses stand the test of time. You know, Pinehurst number two. Uh, you know, get out there and play uh, Cypress Point, Pebble Beach. Those things. You know, they they just they don't normally eat those things up. Yeah, right. like the Dunes Club down here, kind of. I love that too, and that's yeah. where I you know finished second to Bill Bowers, and that I love that golf course. Yeah, and just the traditional golf courses are so good, and I'm right. missing a lot of them. You know, there's so many good ones. They Do you don't get make play, bad ones anymore. Do you get to play a little bit still? I've had some health issues, and I'm not playing right now. I'd l- love to play. I've got it all figured out. Right, I'm I, sure. I'm swinging in a, in a – my wife will tell you I'm in a damn uh, den swinging that club every day. Just – I got it. I, I can believe it. it. I'll I never can... be over par again. <laughs> That's but great. Hope to get that taken care of here shortly. Well, we do too. Did you play golf at Carolina? I did. did. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about that golf team. That was a pretty rough and rowdy golf team, wasn't that it? Was, we had a lot of talent. But we had nine coaches in the, in the four years I was there. Let's talk about – where did I hear you tell this story? When you, it, might, it might have been in the book. Can we it give a little – where the coach – By can, the gas? Well, well, there's two things. One about we all hitting balls, and right. you kind of convinced. Yep. Can, can we tell a little snippet now? Is that okay? Oh, sure. I mean – That's been in the book. I, yeah, that yes. was in the book. I mean, that's, that's been a great story for years. I mean, Jim Carlin, I'm sitting there with my brother watching David, my brother, and Steve Corson eat. Right. This was our routine. We'd go practice a little bit and we'd come, come watch them eat. We'd head out for the evening, but we'd stop and see them. And you can't believe what they could eat. I mean, a whole piece of roast beef right down around the, <laughs> the pie hole. And I'm sitting there, and, I, and Dupree was normally with me, but he wasn't there this evening. And I hear this voice behind me say, Chip. I said, I don't see anybody I know. He says, Chip. Turn around, it's Coach Carlin. And I hadn't even met him. You know, he'd been there like, Two months. And as a football coach at the time? Oh, yeah. He was a football coach and athletic director. Okay. So, and of course, we had no, we had all these coaches, so we had, no, we were pretty much self coached at the time, which yeah. was not a good thing for Dupree and I to be the co captains <laughs> and coaches. But anyway, we had pretty much disregarded some of the rules of the athletic norm, and I figure I'm going to get an ass chew in there pretty good. And I pull up a chair and he says, you're, you're the captain of the team, aren't you? I said, oh, actually, I'm a co-captain. I figured Dupree ought to get his whatever he's doing on this thing, too. I'm not taking this. I don't mind being under the bus, but I'm not going to be there all night. Right. So he says, uh, you, you think you can help me with the problem I'm having? I said, sure, coach. I'm sure we could. He says, do you think you could keep some of the women out of the rooms and the cocktail parties y'all are having? Could slow those down? 
He said, Coach Richardson, Bobby Richardson's son is in that dorm and he's about to have a heart attack, the stuff that's going on down there. I said, I thought, I said, yes, sir, Coach, I'm sure we can take care of that. We'll get that taken care of right away, uh, immediately, if not sooner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, and he says, well, now, what can I do for you? This is during the gas shortage, and we had no, no way to get to the golf courses because couldn't get gas. He says, I said, can we use those practice fields, football fields behind the dining hall? He says, why can't you? I said, well, track coach says we're leaving our balls out there, and these guys are stepping on the balls. And I, Which said, is not true because they're your balls. Our balls, and we were picking up. We had chat right, bags. right. Anyway, what I didn't put in the book is the next day, Carlin has a bulldozer out there builds us a practice tee and a putt green. Oh, nice. wow. Starts at it. He was just great. He was That's good. Awesome. liked to play golf, too. I didn't know that. Yep. Lived out at Spring Valley. Huh. Puddin' was part of your squad, wasn't he? No, no, no. Puddin' was part of your dad's squad. Part of dad's squad. Yeah. Okay. And Puddin' is a whole other story. Right. All together. That's, right a whole other, that's a whole series of Mo, books, isn't it? Hap called him Mohammed Putt-Eye. <laughs> And put eyes, you know, if you took in Latin, is plural for pudding. That's you drop an eye on the end of it, it's plural. Pudding was definitely big enough to be plural. They are referring to Alan Powers. Correct? Sorry, yes. Yeah, Alan I take it for granted. Yeah. The great story there is he and he and I'm pudding playing in the Carolinas uh, bowl ball up in Camden, and and pudding had been laughing and joking. They had somebody like four down with five to go or something. And he's sitting there laughing and joking and uh, not paying attention. Hat. Puts his ball up, puts it in his pocket. He said, "You get him from here, boy." I heard that story. I heard that. <laughs> really? Yeah. I also heard some stories. You talk about that Carolina football team that eat. I, I understand pudding could put a hurting on a buffet, and, and they've been kicked out of a couple buffets. That all you could eat buffets. I tell you the funniest thing I've ever seen with pudding. You remember the old Zanzibelt slacks? Yes, sir. Yep. With the waistband, of course, put out was shaped like a pear, <laughs> and uh, and well, not an inverted pear. Pudding had, had, had suffered from no acetone. <laughs> And Puddin' had a beautiful swing, a gorgeous golf swing. You wouldn't believe a man that size could swing a golf club like that. But he turned the belt buckle to Of course, you got the pants up there, and you make the turn, and all of a sudden, there's a lot less waist there. And the pants went to the ankles. And he's standing there posing with the pants to the ankles. You, you know, Alan, that that, that uh, caricature in our office right outside of our boardroom yeah. is a Puddin'. I think, I think his britches are kind of falling down. They are. That's, that's, that's where it comes but from. But a better, a better story huh. than that is Dupree and 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 putting and I are at Lynchburg, Virginia, playing the Carolinas, Virginia's team matches, and putting tells Dupree says, "I ain't playing with, I ain't putting with a damn. I'm hitting the ball good, but I can't play it all." And Dupree says, "Come here," and he takes him over there and and he winks at me, and goes like this, and he takes putting over there. He says, well, "Let me see you set up to it." So he sets up to it, and he says, "Oh my goodness!" He said, "For God's sake, putting," and he takes putting. He said, "Take that right toe and turn it in about three inches." Put and turn that toe in three inches. He makes like seven birdies in the first ten holes and closes out the guy in his match. Oh, wow. Just beat him to death. Wow. And Dupree is playing Vinnie Giles at his home course yep. at Boonesboro in Lynchburg. Dupree beats him like six and five. Oh, wow. And we, we dumped Vinnie out on his, his mother's porch that <laughs> night about, about 1 32 in the morning. And he shows up the next morning with a big bottle of, I think it was a moonshine. To survive the match. Oh, That's wow. funny. That's oh, it was cool. What uh, there's another story I want to hear. Obviously, talking about Dew in the bag and his, his. He was, he loved that more than anything in the world. And he he'd get you. You'd be watching him trying to. He'd get you seven or eight times during the course of a round when you're paying attention to it. Trying yeah, to get, yeah. He loved to bag people more than anything. I mean, we even had that fundraiser. You have a scholarship. The bagger doing the beef. Well, and there's a good reason for it. Yeah. 
But you, every time I do it, you just shake your head because he got you again. Right. And he tear people's clubs up. Oh, I bet. They still laugh about. Yeah, it. in the book, that was a pretty good part when oh, the, yeah. the gentleman got upset. Well, he could get you, like I say, even when you're watching. And the funny thing, he just sit there and say, "Probably ought to check that class." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that's that's awesome. And he was he was so subtle, you know. He just he was an instigator, is what he was. Yeah. yeah. Terrible instigator. He's great. He'd so, get it going and then and then put his hands up like. Right. I tell you another great story. This is funny as heck, but he's sitting there and and I'm in the in the Letterman's Lounge at Carolina. This might have been the early '80s, and uh, Jerry Beasley, who was the chairman of the te uh, Textile Manufacturers Association and the chairman of the board of Carolina at one point in time, and I'm standing there and Jerry says, "Chippy said, would you like to come over and play Augusta National with me?" I said. I said, Jerry, I said, I, I'm going to tell you, I said, I know what that invitation means, and I, I would love to come with you. I said, but I've been over, Hootie's taken me once, and I went over there one other time with somebody else. I said, would you mind taking David Dupree in my place? He says, David's never played it? I said, no, sir, he hasn't. He said, I'll be more than happy to take David. Well, David gets over there, and, the, and with Finney Timmerman, who was a member, and he sticks his nose so far up Finney's rear end that he just loved David Dupree, which everybody ended up doing. And they, they cancel that round, but he Dupree goes back like four other times and ain't mentioned my name. Not a word. And I and I'd tell that story to him, he'd say, Well you stupid I've never done that for you, you idiot. You know, honestly I've and I've said this for years now, David is the one person who's not in my family I miss the most. Just as far as making you laugh or giving you common sense or advice. I miss him every day. It's been over ten years now. Yeah. It's been over ten, 10 years, years and I just just tell him. I said he look. He worked down the street from my office, and I'd sit there and I'd I'd say, "Where is that dumped?" And I'd say, "He's dead." Said, yeah. I haven't seen him, you know. So it's just terrible. And I've got a. They did. Uh, um, I'm trying to think who did it, but anyway, we had road signs. They had road signs. You've yeah. seen at Columbia Country Club, and I got one of them, and Jonathan got one, and oh, good. mine is sitting right above our new addition. As you go into the house, it says David Dupree Interchange. Yeah, you know why I like that. Is because you have to go through there pretty much to get to Columbia Country Club. Yeah, you know. But you know, it's still. I mean, ten years ago, that's incredible. I mean, but he he still lives on. I mean, it, it, we did our amateur at Columbia Country Club this past August. I had a wonderful event. A great champion. Uh, one of our sponsors didn't want to put their business name on it. They just put. On, they want to have a whole sponsor underneath the whole sign. It's in memory of David Dupree. Well, I know Jeff does that. Everything time he gets a chance, he puts his name. He's on incredible, something. and of course, he's an incredible guy too. But you couldn't talk about Columbia Country Club without David Dupree. And Charlie Prentice had every bit as impressive a junior program as Matt Bennett did. I mean, Walter Odeon, yeah. David Spurgeon, who y'all don't remember, Gary Danley. Uh, there are a hell of a lot of good junior players. Yeah. Mark Swagger, oh, yeah. American Swagger. A lot of good players that Charlie started, and Charlie wasn't. Much, Charlie was a field player, so he didn't. I mean, he could win the phone booth open. Looked a lot like Doug Sanders swinging the club, but he was a hell of a player. But supposedly the one who gave terrible Tommy Bolt the nickname when he beat him. He beat him in '59 in a match when it was a match play in the PGA. Yeah, they and, beat him. And supposedly Bolt, I guess, broke all his clubs or threw such fit they started calling him Terrible Tommy. After oh, that. really? I didn't realize yeah. that. He played in a couple U.S. Opens. Yeah, he did. He absolutely. A couple did. beats, maybe. I, I want to say. I'm not sure where he played. I mean, he was—he had pretty much. I'm thinking Charlie was in his mid 40s by the time we got out there. But he—I I followed him around at, uh, for two days out of the PJ Chapter Championship out at Spring Valley. And at that point in time, Spring Valley's greens were so green, and I was playing out there a lot because my family lived out there. And I, I caddy for him and read putts for him, and, and he just said, "You the one, you boy, you the one that run this thing for me." 
but he could butcher the king's english yeah he said he said i i, I said he said you know what my favorite movie is i said what's that pro he says dr chicago he was talking about Dr. Chicago. He said that Russian doctor, Dr. Chicago. <laughs> well, the funny thing was his nickname was Dooner. Yep. Because he was Charlie Prentice Jr., That's but right. couldn't say it. And he used to call Hamp, Hamp Latham. Oh, did he? Hamp Latham. I've heard that before. Maybe that's where that came from. He couldn't say th. There were no feet. I think he was missing his teeth at some point in time. But I like when I worked at Columbia Country Club, and he was in his 80s. He would still hit balls every day. He loved it. Uh, he did love it. And he'd take Dupree and, and Howard out to these uh, pro-ams, and we'd wear, just wear them out. And he'd say, he said, you boys go get in the car. He said, I'm going to collect the loot. <laughs> <laughs> and then he'd have, he'd have, I used to room with him, and we'd go to these things, and I'd, I'd wake up, and he'd be out by the pool with a um, pony eight-pack. Oh, really? Yep. That's awesome. I, I had the pleasure of playing poker with those guys, the senior, the lunch bunch, yep. the card room. For for uh, that was a, one of my most cherished times getting to spend time with him and L.A. Marche. Yeah, you know the old bunch of good guys back yeah, there. Yeah. So, uh, Palmetto Shop. It's now a Palmetto Shop. It used to be Palmetto Promotion. It was Palmetto Promotion. It so certainly was. You've retired somewhat. I have. Let's talk about the tree, and the Palmetto Promotions. All right. What would you like to talk about? Well, I know you want to be the new state tree. <laughs> well, uh, I do, and I think they're they're making a bad mistake. But again. They don't. They don't have any clue what they're doing. Uh, it needs to be run like the CLC collegiate licensing that licenses all the university stuff, and we know how to do that. And, yeah. and uh, we've already trademarked the tree, and and we'd be willing, you know, to. And I made this proposal to some senior uh, public officials over there, um, and I don't know what's causing the hold up, whether it's ego or what it is, but you know, just for the rights of it, for like two or three years, we'd set it up for them and turn it over to them. But yeah. as I say again, until somebody's willing to listen, you know, they can keep fooling around with that tree that looks like an upside down chicken foot or dust mop or whatever they want to do. But it's the reason we're the most recognizable symbol in the country is because of this palmetto tree of ours that we trademarked in 1993. Yeah, I and mean, for anybody who, it's the one on the Gamecock field. That's right. If you don't, you don't know which one I'm talking Coach about. Spurrier loved it. Yeah, he used to wear it all the time. Good so, transition. Give me some Steve. Y'all were buddies. You and Spurrier, or still are. Got to be very close. And I, that was one of the really um, nice things in my later life was to get to know him as well as I did. He was just a great guy, and people that didn't didn't like him just didn't know him. Right, but he put up with you. Let me put it that way. Well, you know, I would needle him. I, right. I, there's nobody I'm not going to needle. So again, he had to put up with that, and that didn't didn't happen very often. He was he was just funny. He, he got me pretty good too. He said, "Chippy," I said, "Did you play any, any any football in high school?" I said, "Coach, I played football in high school right up until the time I found out that he gave the same scholarship to golf as did football." <laughs> That's great. He said, "You were a good football player." I said, "It was a foot speed issue, Coach." <laughs> the, the only time I got to meet Spurrier was at the Bagger doing Beef that, that yeah. night. We had it, and uh, we were giving away a Lucas Glover print. He had just won the Open at a raffle drawing that night, and I said, "Coach, you want to take it?" And he goes, "Nah, I'm okay." You know. <laughs> well, he, I, you know, I've never seen him. If if you warn him that he had an obligation, he was just. I've never seen him be short or ugly with anybody. I've seen people do incredibly stupid things yeah. trying to get close to him and stuff. But he was a, a real gentleman. And the thing he taught me is he he never rests on his laurels. He competed every day. Yeah. Every day he didn't expect anybody to give him anything. He but he 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 pennies that wall. He'd be trying to holler at you <laughs> while you're pitching the penny. He's incredible. He would come hang out at the shop after yeah, games, yeah. wouldn't he? Which is 
another good transition. Biff used to fold shirts at your shop. Yep. Back when you were up Rosewood a little bit further right. than you finished. I, 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 that was one of my first jobs, only jobs out of the golf business. And yep. I, it was a great job. I was in the warehouse folding shirts with the heaters back there, and it was great during the winter. And then all of a sudden, May rolled around, and it started getting warm. I was like, ah. So I, I think I need to go back to that driving range and help Dad out. You know, we worried about Biff. Biff had, has had more lessons than any human being in the world in the history of the world. From how, taking them from taking, different pros. Yeah, everybody's been mentioned on this podcast so far, and the six people we've interviewed, I, I, every one of them I've had lessons from. I've had, Dad would stop at a place and say, "Hey, John, how about just take a look at Biff real quick?" You know, everybody's got their different ways of doing things, and by the time I was done, I was so confused. I felt so bad for Biff. He had, <laughs> had, had to be like canaries flying around inside there. <laughs> The best was when Dad tried to give me a lesson. He had me crying before it was all said and done over at Weed Hill Driving Range, and all those buddies would go back over to Coldstream to go play, and they said, well, Hap's up there beating his son on the driving range trying to teach him how to play golf right now. Well, you know, Hap knew nothing about the golf swing either. He was a field player, a complete right. field player. But Hap, I, I, I can't stress to you what a great player Hap was. And I'm going to tell you what, there's not a better person in the world. I mean, Hap is, I just think the world of Hap Lathrop. He's a good man. I learned yeah. a lot from him. I learned a lot from you and, and all yeah. your crowd, too. I mean, I learned of, things to do and not to do. <laughs> that's, that's what I said. Some of it good. You got any good Charlie Roundtree stories? Oh, <laughs> I, I, I tell you the one I tell all the time. Charlie, when he was, we were over at uh, the Florence Boys Junior Invitational, and he was playing the Pee Wee Division. And he'd come out there and caddy for me when he finished. They'd play, let him play nine holes or something. He'd come out and caddy for me. And of course, Charlie, even then, that mouth is going like this all the time, just all the time. And I finally told him, and I tell this story to everybody, I said, I said, Charlie, I said, I don't think your future is in golf. You need to get into politics where that mouth runs like that. And that's so where I was he is now. forecasting that. Yeah. That's where I put him. But he's a good guy, too, and a smart guy. He's done a lot. I mean, we talk, we, we're, we, and you know, the premise of this episode are, are talking to people who have been important to the industry of golf, and, and, and somebody like a Charlie Roundtree, the things he's done for junior golf on throughout, and it's just it's incredible to see. Well, everything. he and Hap, that, that adversarial relationship that they had really moved that golf association forward yeah. because they both had the best interests of the association in mind, but Charlie was laying in bed thinking of things for Hap to do all night long, yeah. Yeah. and Hap finally would get so frustrated and just... <laughs> It was it was hilarious, and then you'd egg hap on. You didn't have to needle hap much right. to get him excited. I said I saw Charlie the other day, and he said maybe you ought to think about doing. It, <laughs> it was like he shot hap in the back of the ear with a paper clip. You know, you're sitting in church, and you shoot him with a paper clip. That's yeah. funny. You know, a funny story about Dad. He he, he during this, uh, you know, when he retired, and we kept him on as, uh, you know, committee executive director, and. Uh, I had him a little desk in our office where he could come in and kind of piddle around and do some things, but he realized there wasn't much to do because kind of we were taking over and doing things. And so during quarantine, I realized I needed I needed that space because we got interns coming in. So I moved him. I called him. I, I, I had some red wine one night, and I said, "Dad, I need to move your office back to the house." He said, "Well, I started this thing in my office in my house. So I'm going to finish it in my office in my house." So he's uh, he. he it's still to the day's end. He still thinks about it. We better not start talking about red wine, though. <laughs> that one, I did, you weren't around. Did you go to that thing they had at Coldstream, the roast they had when he was turned 50? I was there when he came home. Oh. And that was even more entertaining. Well, there must have been 10 or 15 of us that got to talk. And when I stood up, uh, Joyce stand, sitting next to him punched him and, and, and said, if I were you, I'd be the most scared human being in the world. <laughs> I remember hearing about that. And I told I told a pretty good one, but it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. I do believe he was leaning, his wall leaning, walking in the house that night, and Mom told me to go on to bed. That was a that was a lot of fun. <laughs> well, cold stream in some place. That too. cold stream was a good. That's 
You could do, you could make a couple books from that place too, oh, couldn't you? No question about it. No question. <laughs> Coldstream was the only place I ever had a free membership that I resigned from because I could not play that golf course. <laughs> That's fun. I didn't like it either. Well, we, I don't think we could. We've got Hap's version on this podcast already. Let's talk about the house and the state am. Oh. <laughs> What a long What day. kind of phone calls you get? Well, you gotta, you got to understand, first of all, he, he, he talks me into this. I said, no, we don't rent the house. Oh, come on. Come on. And I'm, I'm laid up from my automobile accident, and uh, I'm half dead to start with, and I'm sitting there, get the phone call, and he says, he said, I, I, I got some bad news. I said, what's the matter? He said, uh, house caught on fire. I said, spontaneously? He said, well, you're... Your gas tank doesn't work, and a hose pop, and it caught on fire. But I, I called a fire department, got it put out. Door. I said, "You put it out? Are you kidding me?" I said, "That's as stupid as them calling the Columbia Country Club calling that fire department." I kept calling. I said, go. "Those idiots kept burning that at that clubhouse in the wind." I said, "You burn it down with it." Oh Lord! But he he was so upset. He tell my father. He said. He said, Chuck, I sure am sorry about that. I'm just so sorry about burning your house down. Well, he'd gone in the back to cook. To cook, had the pot going downstairs, yep. and, and evidently the hose had popped. We'll yeah. see about that. But anyway, I still fire. And had he been in the restroom or had he been watching TV, that house had been gone. We'd have had a new one, honey. Well, the, 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 <laughs> the funny thing about that, I think I think Dad mentioned this, was that he, you know, he's waiting on that pot to boil, so you know it starts steaming when it boils. But he's upstairs, I guess, in the kitchen. You could kind of oversee where that yep. pot was. And he goes, man. That pot is really boiling now. Look at that steam come up from there. And it's when the you, side of the house. When you get vinyl on fire and that smoke, <laughs> black smoke comes coming off of that thing. That was a long day. We were the amateur for the, yeah. the reserve club that year. It rained year. so bad. It rained yeah. terribly. And I got home about 9, 30, 10 o'clock. I was the last one in. And Alan met me downstairs with the GoPro. And he, he just wanted my, uh, my, my, my reaction. I was like, what are you talking about? And he oh, showed yeah, me that. I, I was like, I did. Oh, what have you done, my father? What have you done? I was the first one back that day. Oh, you were? From work to the you house. You saw the ruminations? I <laughs> I've never seen hat that white, honey. That's that black spot on the on the, on the <laughs> carport. I had to take pictures for insurance. I'm gonna put a plaque on there. I'm gonna put yeah. a plaque on there. Hap was here. Hap Latham. Uh, Hap Latham burnt his house. And Hap's version of that story matched up because he was always chips. Why'd you stop it? You know. <laughs> yeah, let it go. <laughs> let it go. It was a beautiful house. Thank you for letting us stay there that week. Loved yeah. having you. Hey, yeah. hey, you mentioned <laughs> Columbia Country. What, can Columbia Country Club burn down with the cinder block buildings around? You can burn thing? everything but the concrete block. <laughs> right. I, I don't know. <laughs> I think I'd probably take a nuclear weapon to get that thing. <laughs> Wish we would have thought about it. I mean, if there's a tornado, that's where I'm going is Columbia Country Club. Well, it's kind of like the goat roping at, uh, at a raccoon run. If you can get a stick of dynamite from National Guard, maybe you get a nuclear weapon. <laughs> Man. <laughs> What a you know what a bad idea and that was 1960. All right, yeah. What y'all got away with? It's probably federal crimes now. <laughs> we used to we used to somebody had a, a, a I think David Higginbotham had a Corvette and we'd ride that thing up and down the cart path in front of the thing holding on with windshield wipers up there, swinging wow. people off. All right, you might can verify this story for me. Presnell did he get shot at Columbia Country Club? Parking there was a guy and I don't, this has all been in the news. So but and back in the early 60s, there was a, a guy at the club that was a little older than I was, uh, Ted Stanfield, that was uh, rumored to be a drug dealer. And they, they supposedly had a hit set up for him and, and radioed what the car the car that he was going to be in. He didn't show up. Well, they mistook Presnell's car for that and shot him up pretty good. Well, he'd been shot his leg up and all. He'd been drinking, playing cards, and thought it was a roadblock and turned around and went back to the club, and that's where it happened. That's where got him. Oh, wow. Yeah. But he, he spent the night at that club. 
a few times. He's not the only guy, but he <laughs> no. spent quite a few nights. I may there. have myself. It's, it's, <laughs> it's one of the few clubs I know of that had had its own entrance and exit point to the to the men's locker room just yeah. for a card game. That way, if the club was shut down, they could go in there and play cards. There's so many good stories with that. The good one, my dad. This story is funny as heck. He's sitting back there, and of course they had clicks and all this, but everybody would hang out that card room and they'd be playing cards. And my dad sitting there. And my dad was a terrible instigator, too. In fact, that's where Dupree got it. Oh, really? Well, some of my family is like that, too. I don't know. About to say. So anyway, he's sitting there, and he's dealing the cards, and all of a sudden they hear this beating and banging all this and, and commotion out in the locker room. They had those metal lockers, and, and they get two guys are in a fist fight out there. And somebody comes running in the card room and says, Chuck, Chuck, he said, Bill and Bob are in the back. We're about to kill each other. you got to come stop it. My dad doesn't even look up. He says, stop it. Hell, it took me all day to start it. <laughs> All right, there might be another story you can help verify for me that I heard. That you guys were in the bar, and I say you guys, I don't know if you were there or not. but this probably, probably not. Yeah, probably Honey. not. Your brother, I guess it would be Jumbo, I believe is the one I heard. But Buckley was chipping on the chipping green right outside the bar. And Jumbo, I don't know how it happened, walked outside, picked the buck up, helicoptered him, you know, on the shoulders and threw him on the ground. Without saying a word to him, and walked inside, and supposedly Buck just stood back up, and started chipping again. Well, like I said, what was he gonna do? It's like that, like the book when a mini pro goes after those guys. You know, said, what was he gonna do if he got to him? Right, right. You gonna jump up and whip Jumbo? Have you ever heard that story? I don't remember that story. Okay, that was a living legend out there at Columbia Country Club. But he could certainly have done it. Yeah, no problem. What's your take on Buck Lee? You've had some Buck experiences. Buck is a strange person, <laughs> but he's you know. He's a very strange person. Buck is Buck. Buck, I tell you the best story with Buck, and I tell uh, uh, Tony Branham got mad with me about this. Really got real hot with me. The golf Buck, pro. Yep. Yeah. Buck had had this news. He'd been reading something, and he took had two two by fours, and he'd take them out on the putting green. That's before they had all these devices. Yeah. And would put them down parallel to each other and and putt like that. Well, I saw that. I he stole them in the back in the, in the club room back there, and I said, "That's ridiculous." So just to help buck out a little bit i'd go in there every afternoon and spray water on those two by fours and of course gradually it started <laughs> <Still warping. laughs> i'm talking about every afternoon for like oh, a month man. and it took it took about about a month before it started warping to the point he noticed it that's awesome so that you, was funny you see so you think you got some instigation things from your father huh to going in there warping I'm, the man's board over a period of month you're patient about it too <laughs> yeah patient. Well, I, I i would have to say there have to be some uh, genetics involved <laughs> traits is what I was trying I to have to say that where's some good 19th holes around the state that you've enjoyed over the years the best Spring one. Valley had a had a great 19th yeah. hole, and there was more things that happened that thing it was pretty incredible <laughs> Columbia's was, was not a good 19th hole because everybody had liquor in their lockers everybody yeah. sat in the locker room <laughs> it's too cheap to buy anything in fact that's what happened that fire when it finally hit that right but the best story there is when they started filing the insurance claims on those lockers and these are guys that were so cheap you can't believe it they had rolex watches they had alligator uh. shoes brand new sets of golf clubs that's funny the liquor that was in there by the time that fire hit that locker room it was all over there was when i worked there there was a member that had there was a couple members where i knew where scotch was and i could help myself anytime the the pepsi machine had had budweiser in it for a long time <laughs> until funny. one of the members Got was coming home drunk all the time. His wife called the ABC commissioner. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, something I learned from you by reading your book, uh, 
you, did, you played a lot of golf internationally over to, over the pond. I didn't realize how much you played yeah, over I'm there. Traveling over there, yeah. yeah. Scotland, Ireland, all yeah. those. Uh, Argentina. Argentina. Went down there. Jeff and I went down there dove hunting and, and ended up playing Corba Country Club with, uh, and that's where uh, I think uh, what's his name, the the big guy, um, the Argentine that won the Masters. What's uh, yeah, that, the guy who smoked like a chimney at one point. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Anyway. Uh, great golf course, Don Ross Golf Course. Yeah, I heard that. Played there, and we've also been around, toured some other golf course down. He's got a good friend that uh, he works with with the Aust- uh, Argentinian PGA uh, Green Superintendent guy. Man, great trip. Was uh, Cabrera and Hell Cabrera? Yeah, right. I always liked him. He was good. Yeah. He's yeah. fun, to watch. but it's a great golf course. Really super, and like I said, just. Scotland, Ireland. That's really been some great trips with some great people too. How many times have you played Augusta? About, I've tried to count that the other day. About twenty. Yeah, you played it with. Tell you what I did at Augusta one time. This is incredible. What? This is one of my favorite things I've ever ever accomplished in golf. We used to play. We play eighteen holes of golf and play an extra nine, and then play eighteen the next morning. Stay at the cottage with Hootie. He was just so good to invite us over there. And sometimes we play the par three, but generally speaking, we play eighteen. And then nine more, and then the next morning play eighteen, then go home. Played. Uh, this was the morning of uh, they had the Kenny Chesney concert in Columbia, okay. and we were playing. I birdied number eighteen three times. Oh wow! In three tries. Wow. It that's you, unbelievable. It is unbelievable, and you know, and I think one thing about Augusta, while we're on the subject, real quick, and you've played it enough, so you've seen it. But but I think what was different about seeing it in November during COVID was you actually saw the golf course. The no way, stands, right? And you can see the undulations, and and with no 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 stands and no fans, or no patrons. Well, see, when we played it, that it'd be like that because you'd always play it the first. We play it the first week in May before the the uh, reunion tournament they right. have over there, with the members come back and play it. But uh, it's really odd with no fans. It's hard uh, and no stands. It's hard to recognize it a lot of times. Yeah, I'm, but what a great experience! I mean, it's like being in a daze. Sure. And I we was, stay in that that cottage, the chairman's cottage. Who was the chairman then? Man. So when you talk about having a run of the place, it was pretty cool. I've had the fortune of playing it two times. Um, but the first time I was I was really young, and uh, the gentleman we went with offered me five hundred dollars if I could find a weed in between rough line to rough line. And I happened to be in college, and five hundred dollars was worth a lot. So yeah. I, I didn't concentrate on the course as much as I should have. I, I was looking for weeds. Been a fool to point <laughs> yeah. That out to yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man, I'd say I've had the pleasure of playing there too, and. What a treat! Oh, it's special. Yeah. You just you're trying to walk slower and just hope the time passes so slowly. But right. I've been down in the wine cellar. Hootie took us down the Ooh. wine cellar. I've got pictures of Coach Spurrier and Hootie and I in the wine cellar, and that's pretty impressive. I bet so. Incredible, and I can't imagine what that must be worth. Bigger than this room right here, the wine cellar. Oh, it's nothing fancy. I okay. mean, it's, it's really a cellar, but it's just packed full of cases and cases of expensive, expensive right. wine. Right. The funny story is that the day we played, because you're at Augusta National, and this is prim and proper, you feel like. James Park was there with us, an employee of the SCGA, yep. and we're sitting there at lunch, and the waiter taking our order, and James said, I want a, I want this, whatever the sandwich was called, but no tomato, no lettuce, no bacon. And, he goes, and the waiter goes, man, you want a turkey sandwich. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It was just so off the cuff. I, I thought that was hilarious. It was unbelievable who you'd see there too. I'm sitting there one night with uh, Hootie and Coach Spur and all that, and uh, Mark May walks in with a bunch of his all that broadcast crew from ESPN, and I'm I'm just that didn't impress me. But I look over there and there's John Boehner. 
Hmm. From Ohio, oh, was yeah? the Speaker of the House. Yeah. And he was before he became Speaker of the House. And he'd sit over, he'd got a dark complexion, he's in there smoking a cigarette inside. Which you... So they went over there and saw him, and I stood up, and I went over and introduced myself to John Boehner. And he said, Have a seat. I said, He said, Who are you here with? I said, The chairman over there, and, and that little that redheaded guy. <laughs> and uh, and he talked for a few minutes. I said, I'm a good friend of Joe Wilson, and uh, you know, all this, and we had a nice conversation. And I, so we're leaving. Uh, Hootie says, so I meet him at the door. He said, Chip, who was that you were talking to? I said, I said, that's the next speaker of the house. He said, who's that? I said, John Bain. He said, how do you know that? I said, well, I bet you you got any cash on it. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you, did you know Hootie prior? I mean, my dad and Hootie were roommates at Carolina. Wow. And good friends. Yeah. Very good friends for a long, long time. What was a young Hootie Johnson like? You heard any of those stories? Yeah, Dad's told me a bunch of those stories. And uh, Hootie was a, was a nice guy to Dad. Um, Hootie, Hootie, and I, I just, I don't have a problem with people who have egos. I, I think if you don't have some ego, right, you know, so people like that don't bother me. But I think he, Hootie had his share of ego, and his dad was pushing Hootie all the time. Hootie was in the House of Representatives and did all kind of things. Hootie was the uh, uh, Jacobs Blocking Trophy winner at Carolina. Hootie was a fullback. I knew he played football. I didn't know he was a... He was a good football player. Yeah. Yep. And, but his father, you know, pushed him into banking. So that's, of course, where he went. And of course, he, he was, a, uh, I think, got an invitation to join Augusta in, like, 1964. Gotcha. But he was, he was very, very good to me. Now, you didn't want to cross Hootie. But, right. But uh, what he presided over over there was pretty incredible. And one day, he, he stopped... We're out on, and there's so many stories about this, but we're in the middle of the round, like on the fifth hole, and we might have all been overserved that night. And, and who decided he wanted to smoke a cigar? Yeah. And he didn't have a match or a lighter. And those caddies start, he said, Anybody got a match? And those caddies are going, And nobody's got it. But that, one of them gets on a walkie talkie, and all the damn equipment that's cutting grass all stops. And somebody gets in a, in a car, car and goes straight to the clubhouse and bring him a match. Man. Wow. And he starts showing me about everything that, uh, that they did when they redesigned all the land. The, the biggest part of that renovation, as far as moving earth and all, was over number five, moving that bunker back and all that they did there. So he showed all that to me. That was really cool watching all that. And over the years, that golf course got so much longer. You cannot believe how long that golf course is. I can only imagine. I mean, That number seven. I remember when it was just a driver and I could hit a, a sand wedge into it. It's like a bowling alley now. And I mean, it's a driver seven iron. Yeah, that's funny. What they've done to it, the stores they shoot over there is just incredible. Right, right. Harbortown amazes me that they shoot those scores there. That's a hard golf course. It is a hard golf course. Yeah. And that wind blows down there and that just, they, oh, hum. Well, you know, I, you know we, we, we handle a lot of the amateur status applications yeah. that come through, and so we get these guys, and, and, and it's bittersweet for me. I see these guys go out and try to do the tour, and they get out there and they realize, you know, you, you're gambling for your own money, basically. It, it, it's not only about having games. you got, you got to have a little bit of luck, too. But, but then it goes to show you how good those guys that do it on a consistent basis on the PGA Tour, how really good they are. I mean, it's incredible. You know, I'd be remiss, too, if I didn't mention another good friend of mine who I introduced to Hap, uh, Steve Wilmot. Oh, yeah. And he's been a great friend of the uh, association, too, over the years. Sure. I think he's, he's currently on the foundation board, isn't he? He is. He's yeah. on the foundation He's board. been awfully good to me, too. Every year, he, he would help him out with that Liberty Mutual Legends of Golf that was over in Savannah. Yeah. And he was on that board over there. And, and they'd give him a spot in that pro-am, and he couldn't play. So he, he'd invite me. I must have played over there like eight years. And played with some great guys. Saw Andy Bean one time, and I'm playing with Andy, and we're on about the third hole, and he says, "You look real familiar to me." I said, "Well, we played college golf together." 
He said, that's right, you and that red-headed guy. That red-headed. <laughs> I said, that's yep. right. That's we, funny, man. And we spent the rest of the day together. And then I said, I know, I got another friend you probably know. He said, who's that? I said, a guy by the name of Spurger. He said, you don't see? I said, oh, yeah. We got on the phone call, Steve. So that was cool. That is I cool. Mean, yeah, Steve Wilmot is... What I love about him and, and I mean Paul, Steve Spurrier was who we called. Oh, I know. Andy Bean, yeah. But you're talking about Wilmot, correct? Oh, okay. Did we not say Steve Wilmot? Yeah, we did. Okay. I yeah. said Andy Bean and I called Steve right, Spurrier. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I was going to say Wilmot is one of the most cool guys I've ever, you know, there's so much he could probably go off the handle about, but he always seems, him and Paul Graham are always well, now, I met his predecessor, Mike Stevens. I did not meet Mike. He's great, great, smart as anybody ever met. But he did not suffer fools well. Oh, yeah. I don't think I do either. <laughs> but but uh, he was a good guy, too. He taught Steve a lot, Steve Wilma. Did you, did you go to the Heritage Bunch growing up? Not a lot growing up. I caddied in the first one. Caddied for Howard Wills. That's right. You, I think we talked about that earlier. That was pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. In fact, this this story needs to be told. I mean, I'll tell it as quickly as I can. Howard's out there, and, of course, he's, he's 15, almost 16, and I'm same age, I'm a little younger than Howard is, and we're out, I'm carrying his you know Sunday Sunday bag out there. We step across the ropes, go to play a practice round. We play a, a play like four holes and get over. They, the nines were reversed back then. Get over there and uh, we come off a what was it like the fifteenth green now down to the, the par four next. So I might have mine ordered here. And there's Arnold Palmer and Al Balding. Standing on that tee, waiting, waiting to hit a group of them. Howard walks straight up to Arnold Palmer and said, Hello, Mr. Palmer. My name's Howard Wills. I'm playing a tournament. Would you like to join me for the last three holes? Oh, wow. And I'm sitting there about, I'm about to lose control of my bladder. <laughs> and we played, and then here comes Tom Weisskopf off the green and joins us. So we play the last three holes with uh, Al Balding, Arnold Palmer, and Tom Weisskopf. And who are you caddying for? Howard Wills. And he's how old? Howard, Howard is 15, almost 16, qualifies. For the Heritage, shot 72 or 1 over at that, you know, the members' yep, course over there, yep. and qualifies for the tournament. I'll be darned. And shot like 79, 80 in the, in the two rounds. Uh-huh. I mean, Car- Kerry Corbett, I'm sorry, Kerry, didn't, didn't play that well. <laughs> you saying Kerry played in the tournament? Kerry played, yeah. Oh, okay. He just retired. Yeah, yeah. Kerry's a great guy. He is. I like Kerry a lot. John Farrell took his position, I do believe. Did he? Yeah. I think he's in the process now, but yes. Okay. John's a good guy. There are a lot of good guys down there that I've gotten to know over the years. But I went a heck of a lot after that, played in that program a bunch of times. Yeah, that's what I thought. Great stories there. Played every year with Joe Rice, my good friend Joe Rice, who's been a good, good big supporter. Good supporter of the yep. association. Coach Spurrier and Joe Rice and I would play every year, and they'd put somebody else with us. Have we got time for one more story? Because yeah, some of these are just so funny. Steve Wilmot would put us with the defending champion because we'd always have a pretty good gallery. No sense in, and that was the only time you could get without getting plucked out of the out of the hopper. You know, if you got paired with the defending champion, they'd let him play at noon. So that went on for about three or four years, and then uh, I get this call from uh, Wilmot. He says, he says, Chip, he says, uh, Y'all gonna play in the, in the point? I said, yeah, we're playing. He said, we're gonna push the defending champion. I said, yeah. He said, well, I said, who? I said, that's right. It's Boo Weekly. He said, yeah. Huh. And he said, well, I, I said, well, let me just make sure, and I'll call call you back as soon as I can. I called Coach Spur. I said, Coach. I said, Steve Wilmot's calling. Suit you to list. We're gonna play with the defending champion. He said, who's that? I said, Boo Weekly. He said, he smokes, doesn't he? I said, no, he doesn't smoke. He said, he chews tobacco, doesn't he? 
I said, he does chew tobacco. He says, I, I, uh, you know, he'd probably throw, picking my golf ball up and throwing it to me, wouldn't he? I said, Coach, probably. He might. I mean, I don't know. Well, and, and he probably, I'd have to shake his hand, wouldn't I? I said, Coach, that'd be the polite thing to do. We'll do whatever you want to do, you know. Well, I, I, why don't we just go with potluck? I said, do you know what potluck means? I said, we could go at 7.30 in the morning or 3.30 in the afternoon. I said, why don't we just, oh, no, let's go with potluck. I said, call, I have to call Wilmot. He says, uh, I said, he wants to go with potluck. He said, you're kidding. I said, no, he, and he says, in fact, he actually said, he said, let's play at 12.30 and just with potluck. I said, that's not the way it works. <laughs> I said, you're going to get potluck anytime. I said, we might catch one of these Clemson guys. I said, they're all good guys. I said, but those fans are going to be following them. You're not going to enjoy that. So let's please take the, no, no, let's take potluck. We draw, draw what's that boy's name it's from Texas? Um, heavy set kid. Anyway, draw him at, at 8.30 off the 10th tee, which is fine. Walk down there. He's chewing tobacco. Oh. I said, served you right. You like that? I like that. <laughs> and the guy shot 82 that day. I mean, was that a spurrier thing? He didn't like nicotine, oh, tobacco? He was, oh, he'd get in a, in, a, in a restaurant or a bar and, and, and somebody smoked it. Somebody yeah, smoked it. Really? He hated that worse than anything. I didn't world. know that. How he's much golf does he play? A good bit? Huh? Spurrier. He played a tremendous amount. I love golf. Um, and just a golf nut. Yeah. And co really competed hard. Played at Wood Creek when he was in Columbia, didn't he? Mostly? No, he played at the University Club. He loved that golf course. Really? Yep. Man. That, the hills kind of negated anybody else's uh, length on the thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. And he was so competitive. I got him one time. If he hears this story, which he may. Told him one time, I said, you know, Coach, you really ought to go on up that next tee up there. Oh, wow. He said, this just, he said I'm just losing distance. And I, I said, well, that's why they have different tees, Coach. You, you know, I'm 10 years younger than you are. I said, I, you know, I, you can't play the same tees. Why don't you go on up there? He said, you really think? I said, yeah, yeah, that's what they make those. He said, you think? I, I said, yeah, get your skirt going up there. That won't be any problem. <laughs> oh, hey, you love he that. going up there ever again. There's that instigation that's thing. That's what I love. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> off limits with Chip. Anybody is fair game. I remember one time I was hitting balls at the back range of Columbia Country Club, and I gained some weight. And Chip, I remember who he's talking to. It might have been Dude, and he's like, "Who's that lumpy?" To my Robert Dargan back there, he's like, "No, that's Big Al." Like, oh, that's Big Al. Well, now that's one of the better, better nicknames we gave somebody was Robert Dargan. You ever seen Robert Dargan set up to hit the ball? The dancing. Oh yeah. The dancing bear. Yeah. We hung that on him. I, I, that's where that came because I've, I've heard it. I've, I've been watching it for 25 years now. And the dancing uh, bear. And you know his brother turns around and hits it right-handed and, and locks up. He we, doesn't. He doesn't move. We call him Mr. Green Jeans, <laughs> just because of the pair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too good. Anything we left out you'd like to mention? I you know. I just like I say, talking with you guys, I just it just comes flooding back, and I. We'll probably have to revisit this. Well, one. I'm glad, I'm glad y'all have done this, and thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Please, uh, y'all try. The goat roping at Raccoon Run. I think everybody, everybody that I've talked to, of course, has has enjoyed it. Yeah, I think I, it's funny. I've but, already read it, and you can go to Amazon. That's where to get it's it. It's on all major retailers, but you go to Amazon.com. Okay. If you forget the title, dial in Chip Prezioso. That's exactly Prezioso. what I did. I did. I told, he, I told Chip after I started reading it, I said, Chip, I said, Daggum, the, 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 the glossary's worth $15. So, I mean, yes. I, I learned some new things just from the glossary. Right. 
I had a couple people say that. Thank you so much. Well, yeah, you did good. Thank you for everything you've done to the South Carolina Golf Association, done what two? you meant for us. Did you say two? Two, four, <laughs> with. <laughs> I caught that. You saw him. He was like I his did. Own I did. Slide the needle in you. But uh, to, to come and see my my people I've grown up with and be part of this with us, is, uh, it means a lot. So thank, oh, thank it's you been for like me. And like I said, I've met just so many nice people. And Big Al, thank you so much for what you're doing. And Biff, thank you, congratulations Thanks, on sir. being the director. Well, you certainly have had plenty of training. i got to learn from the best. Anything I can do for you, let me know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he is the best. And, and he, your mother. There you go. You're yeah. right about Just that. forget her. No doubt about it. Thank you very much. Thank you, fellas. We can revisit this again down the road. You would come back and sit down with us? Absolutely. And, and my wife says I can. Yeah, we'll ask Roxanne. Uh, <laughs> Roxanne says I <laughs> yeah. can, I can. We'll get her permission. And I want to say this show is sponsored by your former company. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to show you this, too, that yeah. I didn't, if it's not too late. No. I just I don't know why, but I was I moved four times in three years, and uh, I can't wait to see what comes out of this and bag. And I found some of this stuff Here. recently, and it's really cool. But I brought I got my players' badges. Wow! This is from the 1970 U.S. Junior Athens Country Club. Oh wow! I got to take and a picture of that. This one is 1973 U.S. Amateur at Inverness. And then this is my medalist medallion from the junior qualifying at Country Club of South Carolina, which is pretty cool. Wow, that is really cool. Aren't those cool? You know, this is this is typical. This is when I see these, I think of Roundtree, Charlie Roundtree, because yeah. I mean that, that's kind of his. That's what it, his he loves those types of things, and and then playing in the in the NCAA. I, I was thinking the other day that's that's you know that's a pretty good combination. You're playing U.S. Junior, U.S. Amateur, and the NCAA is that's that's yeah. A, Pretty cool. You used to probably wear those old heavy classics, didn't you? Shoes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then they'd get wet and they'd weigh six pounds. <laughs> you know, Chip, you talk about all your buddies and Duprees and puddings and haps that can play, but apparently you could play pretty good yourself in the day. I know we talked about some championships Played and some runner good players, so that, you know. You learn a lot. You, well, be you better play good or you to take all your money, right? Well, absolutely. That's what I hate about Spurrier leaving town. <laughs> Well, that's yeah. neat. Thank, Thank you, you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. The Palmetto Shop is your one-stop shop for all of your logoed apparel, promotional, and marketing needs. Offering full-service embroidery and screen printing for business, athletic teams, and personal needs, along with a variety of gift options with our trademarked Palmetto Tree and Moon. You can find us on Facebook as Palmetto Shop, the web at thepalmettoshop.com or call us at 803-252-5058.